Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. And I'm the guy in the Zoom box next to Dan, Hunter Mitchell. Today, we'll have a cornucopia of communicators as the two members of Department of Communication join us to discuss a unique milestone. Now, before we bring them on, you can go back and get caught up on a cornucopia of rap episodes. We've recorded more than 100, so you have plenty to keep you busy. Find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. We're also publishing the shows on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel, and they're always included as part of the headlines we can review. Okay, Dan, let's find out exactly what we're celebrating by welcoming Johanna Younghands and Elizabeth Palmer Jarvis. First, can you two introduce yourselves and explain your roles as, at Michigan Medicine? Sure, my name is Johanna Younghands and I'm the senior editor of the Michigan Health and Michigan Health Lab blogs. I oversee the day-to-day -day production of both blogs and the strategy behind both of them. And I'm Elizabeth Palmer Jarvis. I'm the digital marketing intelligence analyst in the Department of Communication at Michigan Medicine. I primarily work with projects relating to the blogs. Um, this can include improving on page SEO and uh, promoting our work on social channels and diving into the blog analytics and sort of translating what all that means um, so that the data is approachable um, to help the blogs continue to grow. Excellent. Now you both mentioned the blogs. So can you explain first what the blogs are and what sort of occasion we're marking on today's episode of The Wrap? So today we're marking the five-year milestone of the Michigan Health and the Michigan Health Lab blogs. Um, these are Michigan Medicine's two blogs. One is called Michigan Health and one is called Michigan Health Lab. And they're geared toward a little bit different of audiences. So the Michigan Health Lab is geared towards professionals, anyone in the healthcare industry that is either taking care of patients or, you know, in some type of way involved with the uh, medical industry. And then the health blog is just for everyday readers and consumers, you know, people like you and me who are looking for ways to live a healthy life and, um, you know, stay well. And all, you know, these platforms have our experts talking about, you know, different studies that are coming out, research that they're working on, um, you know, commenting on breaking medical news stories that you want to get accurate information on. So, um, you know, those are what we're celebrating right now and just their growth since they began five years ago, um, which we had in total over 32 hundred stories published, which is just amazing. And we just want to pause and, and celebrate that. So how did the Michigan Health and Michigan Health Lab blog begin? And uh, where are they now today as you hit five years? Well, the Michigan Health and Michigan Health Lab blogs began because short and sweet, you know, they were needed. Uh, the team about five years ago, which I was not a part of, and thanks to Mary Mason and Rebecca Priest for spearheading that whole effort, um, you know, they saw there was a shift happening in the um, news industry. Basically, you know, less reporters meant less stories. And, you know, there was an ability that we had to create our own stories and tell and share them on our own platforms. So that's how they were born, you know, and we were able to work with our experts, you know, daily and publish things, you know, regarding breaking news that was happening or, you know, new studies that maybe were pitched to reporters but weren't covered. And so we were able to um, break down those barriers basically and publish them on the blogs. And, you know, today we have over 3,200 stories on both, which is just amazing. And on top of that, um, we have over 25 million readers, you know, a national audience that we reach. And so we're just reaching so many more people this way. And our experts are able to provide their advice, you know, in uh, a much more timely manner and just on our own platforms, which we're able to, you know, push out again daily and people are able to get that information very easily on these two platforms. So, yeah, and I can, I can jump in here uh, 
and talk a bit about the blog growth. So the blogs launched officially in 2016. Um, and for the calendar year of 2016, we hit about you know, just over 700,000 page views. In comparison, in 2020, in the calendar year, and we all know that 2020 was an anomalous year for many reasons, but um, we hit over 10.5 million page views. Um, the growth for the blog year over year was steady prior to the pandemic, um, and it was growing every year. We have an incredible team of writers uh, who work with our um, medical experts in research areas, who work on patient stories, who work on public health stories, and um, growing that presence as a trusted resource year over year positioned us to be uh, ready, honestly, uh, for health communication when the pandemic hit. Um, it isn't a uh, regular thing for health communicators to see the effects of their work in real time. But when the pandemic started, that was something that we really started to see. Um, so we grew exponentially in 2020 because we were ready to be there when people needed to find information. Yeah, I like that you use the phrase a trusted resource because the blogs really became that for not just journalists around the country, but just people who who wanted to get the information straight from the source. Can you provide a, a few more sort of specific examples of sort of these blogs becoming a trusted resource for readers? I think a good example how Elizabeth was talking about we were just set up and ready for, you know, unfortunately, this pandemic that came about. Um, you know, or the COVID-19 stories that we've been publishing, you know, we've published over 250 stories, you know, since the pandemic happened back in March. Um, and, you know, we're able to actually get facts out there, you know, that people are looking for about the virus, myths about how it's transmitted. And, you know, from specialists who study this, I mean, this is their bread and butter. So they're able to comment on that and help us create these stories and push them out, you know, in a timely manner so that we can get that accurate information out to people. And, you know, we've seen that with just the page views that we see on these articles, people are looking for this information. They're hungry because there's so much misleading information out there and misinformation just, you know, online or just, you know, you see something shared and you're just not sure if it's true. Um, and we're really trying to get out there in front of it because we have these experts who are able to, you know, get the truth out there for everyone. And if I could jump in real quick as well, because we have the lab and the health platforms, we're able to speak to, um, there is overlap in the audiences, but um, we're able to speak to, you know, more of a research and clinical based audience. So a lot of the things that we covered about COVID on the lab blog um, were about, you know, research or different uh, treatment or therapies or things like that, or how early on in the pandemic, how, how hospitals were managing their intake, different things like that, um, even healthcare policy. And then on the Michigan Health blog, um, a lot of public health information, um, like Johanna was saying, you know, proper mask wearing, um, how to look for reliable information, um, how to take care of people who have COVID at home, all sorts of different things that people were looking for um, in real time. Wow. So what are the top three most read stories of all time for each blog? Okay. So for the lab blog, um, we, uh, we have two of them were COVID related. Uh, and actually I think that follows for the Michigan health blog as well, but for lab, um, our top piece was, um, how scientists quantify the intensity of an outbreak. So this one talked about, I think about like the R naught number and things like that, how viruses spread. 
Um, and then we had a piece about uh, Miss C, which is a rare uh, COVID-related inflammatory disease in children. Um, and then another sort of this is more of a golden oldie, but it's a it's a it's a favorite, and it's a piece uh, about. Um, why a physician became a doctor. So that was encouraging to see, especially have a spike in this last year in terms of traffic, because as a data analyst, when I look at that, that means to me that there's increased interest in that. And to me, that means that people were looking for ways to help. How do I become a doctor? You know, and that was really encouraging for uh, the health blog. That term flattening the curve, which we all learned in early 2020, (laughs) that, um, by far on both blogs was our most popular piece, this initial piece about flattening the curve for COVID-19, what that means, what that looks like, what we can do to help. Then we had a really, um, this one sadly has continued to be needed, but it has been very useful. So it's fortunate that it's there. It's a 14 point list on practical care, things that you can do if someone in your home um, becomes infected with covid Um, and then our most golden, golden of golden oldies, how to stop a nosebleed, which has been around that comes in at number three, uh, for, (laughs) for the top. Everyone should just bookmark that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. It's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny what resonates with people, right? Like you wouldn't necessarily think that a nosebleed was like the number one item people really want to know about, but it does sort of affect everyone. Right. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah, that one pops up a lot. (laughs) Outstanding. Now, I know that there are e-newsletters where, you know, readers can sign up for these newsletters and get all of the health lab and health blog stories delivered to their inbox. Uh, Johanna, maybe you could talk about how people can sign up for these uh, e-newsletters for the blogs. Of course. So there's a link actually in the podcast description area. You'll see a link where you can sign up for one or both. And I encourage to sign up for both. Um, And you can get a weekly e-newsletter that comes in every Friday morning. Um, Or you can just browse the blogs too if you, um, you know, but you should sign up for the e-newsletters. But if you just want to browse the blogs and look around at the stories, um, you can go to healthblog.uofmhealth.org for the health Michigan health blog and labblog.uofmhealth.org for the Michigan health lab blog. Um, and that's where you can find us. And in addition to the newsletters, um, if you're into podcasts, and you must be because you're listening to podcasts right now, you can check out the audio version of a lot of our stories um, at the Michigan Medicine Newsbreak podcast. And you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Well, thanks, Joanna and Elizabeth, for sharing this information. And congratulations on reaching this milestone. Um, if you want to learn more about Michigan Health and Health Lab blogs, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the lightning round. And Johanna, you drew the losing hand today. So you're, ah. <laughs> yes, you're about to be on the clock. All right, we're going to ask you four questions in just one minute. Are you ready? Yes, yes, I'm ready. All right. <laughs> Let's stay with the celebration for our first question. What is your personal favorite blog story since you started working here? So I have so many favorites, but one that really sticks out that's still very timely is titled, Not Sure About the Vaccine, Get the Facts, Then Decide. And it basically debunks everything that you've heard about. And there's a jump navigation in the beginning. So if there's something you've been curious about, whether it's fertility and the vaccines, you can click there and it'll bring you right down. And it just goes over all these internet myths that you've heard um, and really gets to the bottom of everything. So I find that to be super informative and, and currently one of my favorites. That's awesome. All right. You moved here not too long ago from the East Coast. What has been your favorite thing about living in Michigan? 
Well, because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to really explore, um, but we live in Ann Arbor and we love it. You know, we just love that it's a trendy city, but it has this outdoorsy feel. Um, it's, we really hadn't experienced before living in New York and Boston. So, you know, we're really just enjoying the area, but we can't wait to do more once the pandemic ends um, and really explore the entire state. All right. So it, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, what is the thing that you do most to give yourself a break during the workday? During my lunchtime, I always try to work out, whether it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes, I feel so much more refreshed and re-energized. So no matter what it is, I just the, the amount of time that I'm able to dedicate to that um, just helps so much in the middle of the workday. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You already sort of mentioned that you can't wait for the pandemic to be over. So what is it that you're most looking forward to when COVID-19 finally does pass? So like I said, exploring Michigan more with my husband and my son, um, but also just hugging family and friends that I haven't seen in a really long time. A lot of our family is based in uh, New Jersey. So, you know, just being super cautious. But once this all ends, they're just going to get lots and lots of hugs. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for putting up with us, Johanna, and for sharing all the information about the blogs. Oh, we're happy to be here. Thank you for having us. All right. Well, once again, if you want to learn more about the five-year anniversary, go to mmheadlines.org. All right, and while you're there, there's plenty of other stories you can get caught up on. For instance, you can watch a video of your colleagues who explained why they got the COVID-19 vaccine. There was also a feature on Mental Health Awareness Month, and headlines kicked off Nurses Week with an emotional video explaining all that nurses have been through over the past year. Find all that and more at mmheadlines.org. So Dan, one of the lightning round questions hit me a little bit different, especially with with it being Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, What do you do uh, during the workday to give yourself a break? Yeah, so Johanna made an interesting point. She talked about trying to work out all the time on her lunch break. I'm sort of like that. I'm not really huge into working out, but going for a walk, especially when the weather is nice and just getting out of the house. I think that's so important. And, And when the weather isn't nice, you know, over the cold Michigan winter, One thing that I always tried to do was every so often just leave the room that I'm working in, right? Go to a different room. Um, It's hard when you're stuck at home. You know, when you're in the office, you can go to, you know, go to the cubicle next door or go to a friend's office and a colleague's office and chat for five or 10 minutes. You can't really do that now, but just give yourself a change of scenery. Um, I I found that to be sort of the most important thing to give myself a mental health break. Uh, It's one of the things that my, my wife calls a burnout breather. Um, and we actually ended up doing a, a headline story about it late last year. Um, and she had given me that idea it was about burnout breathers and making sure that, you know, you're not so hyper-focused on work because there is right now no separation between work and home. Um, so, you know, just getting out of the room, taking a break, moving away from the screen, that's been really helpful for me. What about you? Well, so two things, um, to kind of, you know, relate to the, the physical side of things. Like I, when I bought my house, I didn't realize I didn't have a mailbox out front. So the post office has all our, our mail and it's about a half mile away. So half mile there, half mile back, a mile a day. It's a nice little run on my lunch. Um, but, and then the second thing, so I got my guitar over there. I try to learn a new chord or something like that every day. Um, just, just like you said, something to take your mind away from work um, and give you that little bit of space and then to jump back into it and be refreshed. Absolutely. All right, enough about us. Let's talk about our listeners because it's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last week, we asked listeners, where are the three new recharge rooms located on campus? The answer is MedIn, the Frankel Cardiovascular Center, and CNW. Congratulations to former guest Julie Piazza, who sent in the correct answer. 
Julie, a member of the Department of Communication, will be in touch shortly to help you claim your prize. Now for this week's question, here's Hunter. Thanks, Dan. This week's question is, as of early this week, how many COVID-19 vaccines have been administered by Michigan Medicine? Once again, as of early this week, how many COVID-19 vaccines have been administered by Michigan Medicine? You can find the answer in this week's headline story. And once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for a chance to win a prize. Uh, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you, Johanna and Elizabeth, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week.